0: Well, good morning, Tower View, and anybody else who's watching. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening on this kind of uh, weather-wise kind of a yucky morning. It's gray. It's overcast. It's a little foggy. It's misting out there, but it's above freezing, so ice shouldn't be an issue this morning. But even though the weather is, is dreary, we know our eternity is not dreary. We you know that heaven is eternal. And if you got in an airplane and got up high enough and got above the clouds, the sun is shining just fine. We know there are places in the world that's not sun; it's not rainy and cloudy. The sun is shining just fine. There are places in the world right now where you go outside and it's dark and it's outside. And you can see the beautiful sky, the, the stars and the moon up in the sky. So even though it's dreary in our location, doesn't mean it's dreary everywhere, and so we need to remember that on our dreary days, on their bad days, even though it's bad in our situation is bad temporarily, because of life. Because you know whatever it is um, that making our life dreary at the moment, is temporary. Is not dreary everywhere. God is providing blessings to others in other places and other locations. God has provided you blessings in the past. Today is today is not what it's like every day. We have plenty of sunny days. If this happens to be today might be is one of them. And looking at the weather forecast, it may not be sunny for late to later this week, but that's okay. We know it will be sunny again. And that's what we have to look forward to. But without the rain, we don't have the grass and the trees and the farmer's fields won't grow. Right now, the winter wheat is out there taking root and beginning to grow. and So they need this, this precipitation. So it's not all bad, even though we may think it is at the moment. It seems like it is for the moment, but it's not. Um, For those who don't know me, I'm a... Pastor Nelson, this is the associate pastor at Tower View Baptist Church, Kansas City, Missouri. We are right in front of the Worlds of Fun Water Tower on the corner of Northeast 50th Street and Randolph Road. And you can see Interstate 435 um, from our property. And from Interstate 45, you can 435, you can see us. And if you look at the right traffic cam on KC Scout, and if it's pointed in the right direction, you can see us too. So that's where we are. If you want to find out more about us, check out our website at TowerViewKC.com. As, and check out our Facebook page, Towerview Baptist Church. I want to thank you for watching. Thank you for listening today. And see who, who's all out here. See if my computer is is being more responsive today than it was last week. Oh, it's not. Okay. I get on here, and it's working really hard to make this stream happen. So I cannot see the comments right now at this moment. I know there are people out there. There's a little icon, and Facebook has changed their interface. They can sometimes tell me how many people are out there. So I know there are people there. Less than 10,000, but I know there are people there. So today's lesson, if you're in the lesson book, it's session nine. I'm a week off. I know. I did that on purpose. Luke 5, we, we will be back but before the end of this, end of February, we'll be back on track. We're in Luke chapter 5 today. Let's So that's what we're going to be studying today. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you. We thank you for all the blessings you've given us, Lord. We thank you for the scripture you have given us to show us how you work, to show us who you are, and to show us how you provide for us and that what we, we need to do. Help us to change our hearts, help the scripture to change your hearts, change your minds, change your attitudes, change your life. Cause you are the mighty God. We just pray this in Jesus name. Amen. We are in Luke chapter five. Last week we were in Luke chapter four and, um, Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth, and he went to the synagogues every week. And he continues to go to the synagogues. We just It just doesn't always mention all the time. In chapter 4, it's mentioned. And so you know what's set in stone. That's what he does. But during the week, when it's not the Sabbath day, he is out and about doing things. And as we go through here in chapter 4, we see that one of the things that wasn't in the lesson, but it's in Scripture, so it's just as important is that he went to Simon Peter's house. And Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick. She had a high fever. And Jesus healed her. And it looks like he did it on the Sabbath day, because it said after he left the synagogue. And he did that. And then the next day, a few days later, a few weeks later, we don't know, it doesn't say how much time has passed. Jesus was out, and he was on the shores of Lake Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee. Same place, two different names. Sea of Galilee, Galilee is is the Arabic Hebrew name. Gennesaret is a Roman name. Remember, Luke is writing to a Roman official, so he's going to use Roman names. And Luke himself is probably not Hebrew, so... He, he's probably more than likely going to use the, the Roman names anyways. So in Luke chapter 5, the lesson starts in verse 4, but I'm going to start in verse 1. And it says this, As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word. And this is the first time in the book of Luke that he, God's word is explicitly mentioned in this way. That phrase is used. He was standing by Lake Gennesaret. And he saw two boats on the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats which belonged to Simon and asked them to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. So, large crowd, everybody's gathering around, they pushing up against Jesus. They want to be healed. They want to get his blessings. They want to touch him, you know, like any, you know, like what we do with rock stars and movie stars. Everybody wants to get up and shake their hand, type of thing. And but it's right next to the lake. They're right ready right to push Jesus into the lake. And so Jesus seeing a boat, who what a coincidence. It happens to be Simon Peter's boat. It's not a coincidence. God engineers everything. There are no coincidences with God. And he asked Simon Peter to put the boat just far enough away from shore so he's not getting shoved and pushed down. And he sat down in the boat. Teach Because that's how Jewish teachers taught, sitting down, just like I am right now. In the West, the way we teach now, you know, most of the time when our teachers teach, they stand up. You know, for, for various reasons, but we stand to teach. That's Preachers stand to teach. Teachers in classrooms, whether it's elementary school or, or graduate school, they most of the time stand to teach. And many times I stand to teach. But I have a little camera screen here. Here, If I stood up and moved around, it would have problems. So I don't do that. I don't have a cameraman to follow with me around. So I'm sitting to teach. Just like Jesus. Boy, I'm so special. All right. And so here he is. That's the setup. He's, and he's teaching. But then in verse 4, when he had finished speaking... So we we get the setup of what he's going to do before he teaches. And then in verse 4, he's done teaching. Luke doesn't tell us what he taught. Not here. As we read through the rest of the book of Luke, we get the things that he taught. I imagine he taught the same lessons multiple times because he had different crowds. It wasn't always a new sermon. But that's not the point of his what he's writing today, the account that he's showing that he's given us is not about the teachings of Jesus. It's about how Jesus um, demands his disciples. It's about Jesus and discipleship. And so Jesus is teaching. Peter is sitting there, probably mending his button. He's probably still working on his nets while Jesus is teaching. Um, you know, Making sure the boat don't float away, that type of thing. They put an anchor down. But when in verse 4, when Jesus had when he that Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now it's the middle of the day sometime. We don't know what time of day, but this all started after after dawn, and it it's sometime in the middle of the day. And Simon Peter replied, Master, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. Remember also, what's Jesus' trade growing up? He was a carpenter. Nazareth is not right on the lake. And now he's a Bible teacher. We know he's the Messiah, but people don't, haven't figured that out yet. And so he's a Bible teacher and a carpenter, and he's telling a fisherman how to fish. It's like, Jesus, this is the wrong time of day to go fishing. We got up late at night, and we fished in the night, Because that's when you fish. And we didn't catch anything. So if we didn't catch anything at the time you're supposed to fish, why would we catch anything in the middle of the day when you're not supposed to fish? That don't make no sense, Jesus. You're outside your lane. You're a carpenter. You're not a fisherman. Quit telling me how to do my (sighs) But if you say so, I'll let down my nets. So Peter subcomes to the will of Jesus, loads his boat up with his nets, gets his crew, probably Andrew and um, maybe another person, in his, uh, another person in his crew that he had, one or two more, and they set out to the middle of the lake. Apparently, Peter was also partners with James and John, but James and John didn't come out. It was just, this was just a fluke thing. It was like, you guys stay here. We're, we're going to go out and waste our time. Verse 6. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signal into their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So they got out there and they lowered the nets, and lo and behold, they were full. Overnight, there was nothing. Now they were full. And they were so full, they were afraid the nets were going to tear. And as they started loading the fish on the boat, there were so many fish that the water line was coming up to the edge of the boat. And Peter, however he signaled, where he did that, <laughs> Which I can't do. Um, and the whistle waving, screaming. I don't know what he did to signal. Had a bullhorn. Somehow he signaled, and how far away from shore they were, we don't know. They may not have been out very far. They were able to signal, and and, uh, James and John and every other crew in the other boat came out to help them. And both boats were filled up full. And while they were still out in the boats, while they were still out in the middle of the lake, Biting to pull on all these fish. In verse 8, when Simon Peter... Actually, before it just said Simon. Every time it just said Simon. Now it says Simon Peter for the first time. Like a child when he's in trouble. We use his whole name. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me because I am a sinful man, Lord. So in the middle of the lake, in the middle of all these fish, these boats are big enough. They're bigger than what we consider a fishing boat. So these boats are probably maybe 30 feet long, a little bit you know wider than what we consider. So they're, they're a big enough boat. So there's enough room to move around a little bit, and there's some floor space, deck space. It's a boat. And, Jesus, and Peter falls where Jesus is sitting, It says, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Now, what an odd reaction. He just caught more fish than he's probably ever caught in his life. He had been hearing Jesus' teaching. And his response is, go away from me because I'm a sinful man. That doesn't make any sense, now does it? Why would he say that? That just seems like an odd thing to say. I am a sinful man. Go away from me. Well, think about other places in Scripture that kind of thing happens. Isaiah, when he is at the temple, when he is in God's heavenly temple. He doesn't say, Wow, this is really cool being here. No, seeing the seraphim and everything. No, he says, I'm a sinful man. I don't belong here. When you're in the presence of God, you realize your sinfulness. And that's what Peter realized. The whole thing with this fish, he realized that he was in the presence of God. And God's holiness shone on him so brightly that he could see his sin easily. Imagine trying to get ready in the morning and fix your hair and shave and all the stuff that we have to do, but you do it in the dark without any lights on. How would that look? Why do you turn on the lights? Because you want to see how bad you look so you can make it better. When you're in the presence of God, you see how bad you look. And it's called sin. And Peter realized that he was in the presence of God, that this miracle could come nowhere except by God. So here is this stupid fisherman, right? No education. He may have learned how to read and write, but he had no seminary education. He had no Bible education except attending synagogue once a week. Crude guy. We, we, we chastise Peter all the time for being crude and, and just you know being foolish at times. But here he is and he realizes that he is in the presence of God. And so in verse 5 he called Jesus master which is you know a you know sir you know it's 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 a a title of deference realizing Jesus is is more important than he is. But now in verse 8 he calls him lord he realizes jesus is more than just a teacher he is god and he calls him lord and peter recognizes his sinfulness and says go away from me and that's what he, he asked jesus to do to go away because he realized where he who he was sitting with he was in the presence of god verse 9 For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. They were amazed, all right. That's that's probably an understatement. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. And so here's James, here's Simon, probably Andrew is there too. For some reason, he's not named. And James and John. We know all four of them became disciples. They were listed with the, all, with the twelve disciples. So we know they're all here. Continue on in verse 10. It says, Jesus told Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought their boats to the land and left everything and followed him. Now in this Luke's account of this event, Jesus doesn't say, Follow me. And they all said, Yeah, his name is also Matthew. We, we call Peter, we, we, his name is, we got Simon, we got Peter, we got Cephas. The same type of thing here, you got Levi, you got Matthew. Levi is a Hebrew name, Matthew is a Greek name, Cephas is a Greek name. Peter, I'm sorry, Cephas is the Hebrew name, Peter is the Greek name. Simon was like an extra name in there. And so people have more than one name because there's more than one language running around. You know, like some people, you know, you use one name with one group of people and a different name with a different group of people. And so Jesus came up to Levi and said, follow me. Now, was this the first time Jesus had ever met Levi? Probably not. My guess is when, when Levi has been off hours, not working, he's listening to Jesus he's following Jesus around to some extent at least when Jesus is in the area so he's heard Jesus preach more than once the same with Simon and the other fishermen Jesus had been in the area so they have heard him teach before Jesus had been to Simon Peter's house after synagogue so that I means it's like you know it's like after Sunday church Sunday dinner it'd been at his house but then Jesus made the extra call they say, follow me. And so here Levi does, and he does follow him. And then in verse 29, what does Levi do in response to following Jesus? Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him in his house. That's for Jesus. And now there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were guests with them. So Levi has a party, a fellowship. If we were Christians, we have fellowships. We don't have parties, right? But there's a grand banquet that he hosts. And he invites all his tax collector friends. Going to Levi's house was probably very different than going to Simon Peter's house. Simon Peter was a fisherman. You know, he's just making just enough to get by. Levi works as a tax collector's office. See, he's making more. So he probably has a nicer house. He has better food. He may have more than just fish to eat. He probably smells better. He doesn't smell like fish all the time. And, so, and then he invites his other tax collector buddies and people of, of like-minded, people who work for the Roman government. And so it's a different type of crowd than the fishermen by the sea. But Jesus goes there too. verse 30, but the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to the disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees weren't invited to this party because they hated the tax collectors. So why would a tax collector invite them to the party? Because they're complaining about them all the time. Because tax collectors are traitors. They work for the Roman government. They take money. And many tax collectors were Thieves—they took more money than they were supposed to. Remember back in John chapter or Luke chapter three, John tells the tax collectors, "Don't take more than you're authorized," because many of them did. So they weren't most tax collectors. People hated because they took too much money, and because of that, the Pharisees thought, "Well, you shouldn't associate them with at all. You should stay away from them. They're bad news." Now, did the Pharisees say this the night of the party? You know, were they outside that, down the street, and some of the disciples came out, You know, just to stretch their legs and get away from everybody for a minute, and the Pharisees pounced on them and said, hey, what are you guys doing? Or was this like the next day? It doesn't say. It doesn't really matter. But it doesn't say specifically the hour that it happened. And then later, the disciples, whether it happened that night or the next day, went back to Jesus and told them about the, the, the complaints of, of the Pharisees. In verse 21, I'm sorry, 31, Jesus replied to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Pharisees saw themselves as righteous. Why? Well, let's see. They've been to seminary. They know all kinds of scriptures. They probably have much of the scripture memorized. They teach the scriptures. And the scribes, you know, part of their their role many times was to be literally be a judge, to determine what is the right thing to do, what is the wrong thing to do. And so they had power. And so people and authority, people would come to them and say, well, what should I do? And they didn't do like counselors today and says, well, what do you think you should do? No, they just told them, well, you should do this, this, and this. And people said, okay, and they did it you didn't want to defy their authority. Because if you defied their authority, you weren't doing the godly thing. Because they they knew everything about God and you didn't. So they saw themselves as righteous. But Jesus says, "I don't need to go to them. They know about the Scriptures." And so he uses this phrase that obviously Luke, who is a, who is a physician that we know from the books of Acts, actually is a physician. And and Luke heard this phrase and he he stuck on to it. It's not those who are healthy who need a doctor. You may go for a checkup, but generally speaking, you don't need a doctor. It's those who are sick. You don't go to the ER when you're not feeling bad. You only go when there's something wrong. You've been injured. You've been sick. And so whether Jesus told this directly to the Pharisees or just told it to the disciples, because it says Jesus replied to them. It doesn't say who the them was. Was it the disciples or was it the Pharisees? It was probably replying to the Pharisees through the disciples. But Jesus came to those who need him. So he came to the fishermen foul-mouthed, dirty, filthy, stinky fisherman. And he came to the the Levi who was well-dressed, makes good money, works for the Roman government. He came to him too. Both require Jesus. And Jesus goes to both. There is no segment of society that doesn't deserve to hear the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Whether it's the factory workers at the auto plant, the fast food workers behind the counter, the unemployed, those who grew up in America, those who just came to America, those who know English well, those who don't know English so good. It doesn't matter. Everyone needs to know about God of salvation through Jesus Christ. And some, God calls some to more service. So he called Levi not just to salvation. This is not a salvation call. This is a discipleship call. Same with Peter. It was not a salvation call, although that was a part of it. It was a discipleship call. And so through your discipleship, God may call you to something greater. He may call you to the ministry. He may call you to be a a missionary and call you to leave everything to follow him. He's like, well, did he do that to you? Actually, yes, he did. I went to college to be a computer programmer, and I was. Fairly good one. I got paid well. And God said, no, I got something else for you. You If you are getting paid like a computer programmer to become a campus minister at Ball State University, that didn't pay so well. Being an associate pastor, a part-time associate pastor at Tower View doesn't pay so well. Well, you're an Army chaplain. Well, yes, in Army Reserves, they only pay me on the days I actually do Army stuff. So that's one weekend a month is all I get paid, unless I get deployed. Then I get paid a lot more, but then I'm away from home. So is that better? Uh, Generally speaking, in the Army Reserves, I only get paid when I'm not at home. The Army doesn't pay me to be at home. And so sometimes God may call you to something greater. And even as a Christian, even if you're not in the ministry, your cost of discipleship and following Jesus may cost you a lot. There are Christians who are thrown in jail for being a Christian in some countries. You may work for a corrupt boss. And as a Christian, you say, I can't do that. And he fires you for being, because you're not corrupt enough for him. You may be fired or reprimanded for sharing Jesus at work, even though you followed the rules and you did it during break time. They still may not like it. And so you, depending on where you are in the world, you can suffer severe repercussions for following Christ. In America, it's not against the law to follow Christ. Not at the moment. But that doesn't mean there won't be repercussions for following Christ. You may have family members who hate you and don't want to talk to you anymore. You could lose out on a promotion or lose out on a job because you follow Christ. Because you won't work on Sundays. Because you want to go to church and worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's all kinds of reasons. But we are to follow Christ to the best of our abilities every day. Not just on Sunday. Absolutely do it on Sunday. Just heard a song on the radio on the way here. What if the church on Sunday was also the church on Monday? What if we follow Christ just as much fervor as we do on Sunday on Monday morning? And that's what Jesus calls us. He calls us to drop everything. Be prepared to drop everything for him. Whether it's a choice like this, to follow Jesus full time. As a disciple, today we would call you being a minister probably. In the ministry. Or you you just lose everything because you're a follower of Christ. Because somebody takes it from you. Because they hate God. Either way, everything in this world is temporary. You're going to lose it anyways, Today you die. That could be today. It may not be 30, it may not be till 30 or 40 or 50 years from now. But you will die. This world is a deadly place. Everybody nobody gets out alive. Unless you happen to be here during the rapture, which praise God if it happens, but it hasn't happened yet, so You live for Christ today to the best of your ability. So this scripture calls us to follow Christ. Sometimes you have to make that call for the first time to follow Christ, to repent and be baptized because you have never done that. That's that first time call to follow Christ. As you may have been a Christian a long time, it's just a matter of changing your priorities over your lifetime. And saying, I need to follow Christ more. More today than I did yesterday. And so that's what we do. Follow Christ no matter what. No matter the cost. Because every earthly cost is temporary. The heavenly results are what's eternal. That's what matters. And that's what we are called to do. And that's what he called... Simon Peter to do, and Andrew, his brother Andrew, and James and John, and here Levi, and the other disciples, and others who followed him. Many more than twelve followed Jesus while he was on this earth. Twelve were called disciples, but there were others around him following him. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all that you provide. Help us to be your servants today. Help us to weigh the cost of discipleship and still choose to follow you because you were holy and we are sinful. We just pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So thank you for watching and thank you for listening today. Um, I know the feed has had some issues as, as we went along. I pray that it's, it looks like it stayed up most of the time. It may have lost connection once or twice. Uh, if it was really bad, I, w- I will check Facebook and, and load up the, the whole thing. It's being recorded as I go. Once again, I'm Pastor Nelson Nisley, Associate Pastor at Tower View Baptist Church, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, check the comments. You'll see some ways to get a hold of us. You know, One of the ways is our phone. It's 816-368-1330. You can call. You can text that line. If you got questions, if you got comments uh, about God, about Bible, about Scripture, you can check out our website towerviewkc.com. There's places you can leave uh, comments there and leave a message. And so, uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for watching. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. If it's been a blessing to you, you know, you know, say praise God by hitting the little like button. Uh, say praise god you know if you think others might be be helpful you know share it on your timeline as as a as a witness to others so uh, i thank you for watching and listening today and if you uh, are in the area church is at 10:30 drive in church you come in park in the parking lot turn to 90.7 on the radio and you can listen to um, our services everything will be inside today it's kind of wet and yucky So everything will be inside. We are going to attempt to stream the sermon, sermon only. Uh, The songs are online. Uh, Our worship pastor, Pastor Craig, has recorded them. And so you can listen to them online. Also, the lyrics are there. So if you listen on the radio, you get everything all at once. And uh, if you do want to come in, uh, we ask that you make reservations. So don't just come walk in. You can make reservations for next week. Uh, to come in. We have a limited number of seats, but they're not all full. So um, uh, you have that ability. We thank you for watching. We thank you for listening. God bless and have a wonderful and blessed day.